Hello, 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 know-it-alls, and welcome back to the Know-It-All podcast. I am your host, Riley Sue, and I am so excited to be joining you for another installment in our pursuit to know a little bit about everything. Last week, we discussed both adorable animals and the abhorrence of lawns. It was a two-episode week, so we had a lot to cover, and I was able to post a few different funny memes and things to go along with them. I think it's safe to say that we've firmly placed ourselves amongst podcasts who will never receive sponsorship from Scott's miracle Grow. And I already teased this episode a little bit earlier this month, but to celebrate International Pride Month, we're going to do Pride Around the World. This episode is going to be a lot like our Spring Holidays Around the World episode, with me highlighting a few examples from each continent and then us discussing the things that connect us all during this time of celebration. The queer and gay experience is something that a lot of people around the world still struggle to live proudly. But during this month, once a year, we are able to celebrate ourselves to remember those who fought for our rights in the past, honor those who didn't make it to celebrate this year, and show the world that no matter what they say and who they tell us we are, we're proud to be who we were born to be. Y'all, this episode is going to make me cry. It's going to happen, and you're getting your warning at the top. But let's first lay the groundwork for our discussion today. What is pride? And what do I mean when I say there are pride celebrations happening around the world this month? Well, I think it's easiest for us to first discuss the LGBTQIA2 community and what it is. Uh, what are the contents of this wonderfully beautiful alphabet soup that I've just laid out in front of you? Well, LGBTQIA2 is the lesbian, gay, bi, trans, queer, intersex, asexual, and two-spirit plus community, which is admittedly a lot to remember. So let's make it simple. Do you score on the Kinsey scale and or are you attracted to people that are not of the opposite sex? Well, then we probably have a letter for you. The queer community, LGBTQIA2+, rainbow family, the gals and gays, whatever you'd prefer to call us, we're a widely diverse and dispersed group of people who believe in the dignity, equality, self-affirmation, and increased visibility of queer people. And that's exactly what we set out to celebrate during International Pride Month each year in June. We set out to remind the world that we're here, we're queer, and even when it's not our time of year, we're deserving of a life without fear. Pride is a physical and communal representation of our opposition and resistance to shame and social stigma, but mostly it's a celebration of all of us being whoever the fuck we are. So before we can talk about the ways that Pride is going to be celebrated, let's cover how we began celebrating Pride in the first place. For a long time before the 19th and 20th centuries, being gay or having relationships with people who were the same sex or gender as you was seen as a normal and standard part of your sexual development. This viewpoint, as well as the general public opinion on queer people, changed greatly through the 19th century, with the criminalization of cross-dressing and other issues related to gender conformity becoming more prominent in the American West because gender roles weren't as stringent and often flexibility was required for a family or convoy's success. This shift continued through the 19th century and into the 20th, coming to a head in the middle of the 20th century with both state and federal governments in the United States taking extremely repressive stances in response to the legal and social needs of LGBT people. The 1950s and 1960s saw an increase in the numbers of both out adults in the U.S. and arrests of those individuals for being out in public. These types of arrests were met with protests and outcries from the community, inciting a tradition of annual reminders that began in 1965 and took place on the 4th of July outside of Independence Hall in Philadelphia. 
Organized by the Daughters of Bilitis, which is a lesbian organization, and the Mattachine Society, which was an early gay rights group, the annual reminder was a picket to remind the American public that LGBT people did not receive the same basic civil rights protections and liberties that were afforded to their heteronormative or gender-conforming peers. Much of the anti-LGBT discourse and propaganda at this time equated male and female homosexuality with mental illness, a stone that they continue to throw at us as a community. But this social view and the cultural idea that in order to be gay or queer, you must be traumatized or mentally ill is and was extremely harmful to not only out adults, but to queer youth who may be led to believe that the way they feel is inherently wrong or even evil. In 1968, Frank Kamini, a gay man from New York City and the first person to pursue a civil rights claim based on sexual orientation within a U.S. court, was inspired by Stokely Carmichael's Black is Beautiful campaign and came up with his own version of gay is good to counter the social stigma as well as personal feelings of shame, inadequacy, or guilt that many queer people experience. Soon after this, Tom Higgins, who was a gay rights activist in Minnesota, coined the term gay pride in 1969, which is what led to our continued use of the term in relation to queer celebrations and experiences around the world. Now, if you're familiar with the beginnings of Pride, you've probably been waiting for this moment in the episode, and we've reached it. Stonewall. If you're not familiar and your brain just said Stonewall Jackson, then that's totally fine too. I mean, it's not what I was talking about, not even in the least, but at least you're trying. So Stonewall, or the Stonewall Inn, is and was a gay bar at 43 Christopher Street in Greenwich Village, Manhattan, in New York City. And in June of 1969, there had been a number of police raids and then subsequent arrests at Stonewall. And in the early morning hours of Saturday, June 28, 1969, there was another one of these raids going on. But this time, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered patrons of the Stonewall Inn had had enough. And they decided to fight back against their oppressors, who in this moment were the New York City Police Department. So the patrons of Stonewall and other neighboring LGBT bars and clubs within the village pushed back against the police, rioting that night as the raid was going on and the next few nights. Within the next few weeks, residents of Greenwich Village were organizing themselves into activist groups and demanding the right to live openly in regard to their sexual orientation, to live without fear of being arrested. And one year after the events at Stonewall on June 28, 1970, the first gay pride marches took place to mark the anniversary of the events with marches in New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. These were the first Pride events and marches in the world, a tradition we continue to this day to not only remember Stonewall, but to also celebrate our community, the perseverance of queer people through history, to provide hope for those who are waiting to live in their truth and show the world that we are proud to live our lives as our authentic selves. So that's how we got here and why we started celebrating in June. Now, I'm going to wipe my tears and fire up the old know-it-all tour bus. We've got a world's worth of events to discuss after this quick break. Okay, so let's all climb into the bus here and talk quickly about our itinerary. So we know that seasons are opposite in the Southern Hemisphere compared to those in the Northern Hemisphere or that when it's summer in the Northern Hemisphere, it's winter in the Southern and vice versa. Well, with that in mind, I kind of lied to you before break when I said that all Pride celebrations are in June. They're not, and that's because in some places, June is the dit of winter, so it would be pretty hard to get together for a huge festival or celebration, which most of the time takes place outside. No matter the time of year or the location, though, 
All Pride events are inspired by Stonewall and are taking place to highlight the same causes and reasons that I previously listed. We're all still queer and we're all still here. I went ahead and organized our itinerary into the order that these Pride events happen throughout the year. So some of them have already passed, some of them are taking place now, and some of them will be coming up later in 2023. This all, of course, brings us to our very first stop and our very first example. The country that kicks off the year-long Pride parties for all of us with their Pride celebration in February. And that is Australia. Inspired by their own night raid and slew of arrests that took place in 1978 and ended in 53 people being arrested, those who remember and celebrate Sydney gay and lesbian Mardi Gras have gathered every year since to show their presence in a demonstration of passion, power, creativity, and community. Hosting a glittering carnival-style festival and parade aren't the only events of this gathering. The organizers also offer year-round support and a number of community grants to benefit the LGBTQIA community in Australia. Since 2016, Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras and their partners have donated more than $1.2 million to support the community. And this last Pride in 2023, Sydney hosted the World Pride event, which is an international-level event that's organized by Interpride and moves between cities on a bi-yearly cycle. So it's kind of like the World's Fair, but for gay folks. The next one will be in Washington, D.C. in 2025. I'm going to be there if you want to kiki. But back to the land down under for now. One of the coolest aspects of Sydney gay and lesbian Mardi Gras, aside from the fact that they do this parade at night, so like, duh, glow sticks, neon, exciting, rainbows everywhere, uh, but that's their inclusion and celebration of the queer members of the Aboriginal community in Australia, which is a note that I think some communities here in the U.S. could learn from. Uh, but the festival and the event also has a caftan pool party, which, as far as I can tell, is just a bunch of girls, gays, guys, and theys chilling poolside with drinks and the most amazing jewelry and caftan. The images are really giving, come here and skim the pool again, bring me a cigarette. And I'm feeling the fantasy. I, I've bought in. The festival also hosts an annual sissy ball, which is a ballroom competition. Um, if you're not aware, ballroom is black and Latino LGBTQIA2 plus subculture that I would describe as a mixture of dance, runway, drag, masquerade, and general celebration of individuality. But the Sissy Ball in Sydney looks like one of the fiercest events I have ever laid eyes on. I'm talking full beats, death drops, a packed house, and more sleighs than Santa would even know what to do with. Oh, <laughs> You already know I've got a ton of images and things gathered for you for this episode. Go look at some of these looks. I will also go ahead and post a clip of someone performing ballroom to the stories at Know It All Pod on Insta. Now go ahead and climb back into the bus because we are going to flip the calendar from February and summer in the Southern Hemisphere to summer in the Northern Hemisphere, and we're going to head for Europe to check out what's happening in the Netherlands. Here, Amsterdam Pride takes place in the country's capital city and is one of the largest public events in the country. The Netherlands has a long history of being accepting towards the LGBTQIA community and overall has a way more tolerant and sex-positive culture than we do here in the United States. I mean, it was the first country to legalize gay marriage way back in 2001. But Amsterdam Pride has its peak moment during the Canal Parade, which is basically just a pride parade on boats that navigate through the city's canal system. And when I say boats navigating the canal system, I'm talking full-on, wholly decorated, covered in holographic siding, floating pieces of art. Aside from the Canal Parade, though, the events usually span a week, and there are all kinds of different events. I'm talking performances galleries and exhibitions, 
as well as cultural and sports events that are put on to help celebrate the LGBTQIA community. The Nordic countries in general have a whole lot of pride stuff going on. And in the Netherlands, even though they have the canal parade and, of course, everything happening in Amsterdam with, you know, Amsterdam, uh, it's not even the biggest pride parade in the Nordic countries. Uh, that would be the Stockholm Pride Parade, which I want to go ahead and note, there are not only entries from, of course, you know, all of our regular standard LGBTQIA plus groups and communities. We also have entries from the Swedish police authority and the Swedish armed forces. You can be anything and be gay. Don't put us in a box. We can do anything. We will kill you and cry while doing so. (laughs) So from some of the most accepting and open-minded countries in Europe to one of the least of both of those things, we're going to leave the Nordic countries and we're going to leave the Netherlands and we're headed for Russia. So spoiler alert, this story is kind of a bummer, but I think it's still important to know and to hear. And I didn't know it until I started doing research for this episode. So let's cover it anyway. The first Pride in Russia was organized to take place annually in the capital city of Moscow beginning in 2006. And that year, the event was banned by the Moscow mayor's office, who stated that all public expressions of queerness should be banned, and that the expression of anything other than heterosexuality is a violation of the country's religious tradition and therefore rights, at large. Other government leaders, including the chief mufti of Russia's Central Spiritual Governance for Muslims, called for and encouraged violence toward anyone who took to the street in an expression of pride. So on May 27, 2006, several dozen Russian lesbian, gay, bisexual, and trans protesters, as well as foreign supporters, took to the streets. The parade went on as planned, but eventually clashed with counter-protesters. And all of it came to a head when the pride demonstrators attempted to visit Russia's Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, which is in Moscow, to lay wreaths and pay their respects. God forbid. Uh, But it was at that point that nearly 100 anti-gay protesters, including skinheads and nationalists, fell upon the activists, attacking them, throwing things at them, yelling slurs at them, kicking them, beating them. Police attempted, air quotes, to intervene, but only fanned the violence further. A year later in 2007, another pride was held in Moscow, but it again ended in a clash between anti-gay protesters and pride participants this time with multiple foreign leaders and elected officials being injured or arrested during the clash. And of course, in response, all around Europe, other countries and cities condemned the events. In 2008, organizers were kind of catching on to the theme here, and they applied for permits for five marches in five different locations for each day in the month of May. But the Moscow mayor banned all 155 of the events. Russian President Dmitry Medvedev called the administrator for the Central Administrative Area of Moscow and told him to authorize the Pride event. The authorization was still refused. Not really something that I knew you could do in Russia, go against the president, but whatever. Like I said, the organizers were starting to catch on, and they took note of the violent tactics that had been used by the anti-gay protesters in the past. And so in response, they organized two demonstrations for July 1st. The first was a flash mob in front of a statue of Tchaikovsky, And the second was the unveiling of a banner from the third floor of a building across the street from Moscow City Hall. The plan worked wonderfully, and the activists were able to do the flash mob in one location to avoid violence and arrests, while in the other location, the protesters were on the ground in front of City Hall and therefore couldn't reach the demonstrators who unfurled the banner. In 2009, 2010, and 2011, Moscow Pride was met with the same song and dance of banning by the mayor's office and upholding of that ban by Russian courts, a demonstration anyway, and then arrests and clashes with anti-gay protesters. 
The big kick in the gut for queer Russians came in June of 2012, when Moscow's city and district courts upheld the decision for a 100-year ban on pride celebrations in the city. Yeah, a 100-year ban, which means that a pride celebration is not allowed to take place in Moscow until 2112. This is, of course, a result of the violent history that I just told you about in relation to Moscow Pride, but it's also representative of the general hatred and ignorance of the LGBTQIA plus in Russia, which I think is a great looking glass for countries and people who have begun to repeal or revoke LGBTQIA rights in the last few years. Is there really anything Russia has that we'd like to align ourselves with? I mean, I can firmly and securely say that a country that calls themselves a democracy and then turns around and actively bans peaceful demonstrations for the next 100 years, uh, it's just not really adding up. The math on that one ain't mathin'. But nevertheless, there are still LGBTQIA plus people in Russia and in other Slavic regions. Whether or not the government wants to acknowledge their existence, they exist. And this June, we applaud their perseverance and celebrate for them. So let's pour one out to Putin having a heart attack and 2112 coming as quickly as it can. Okay, everyone, now let's all get back on the bus and head for a country that's at least a little more comfortable in accepting. The good old United States of America. The place that created this little patriotic pansexual princess and has shaped the world's ideas of what pride should look like. So let's go ahead and take it to the biggest in North America and arguably the best pride celebration in the world, the baddie who started it all, New York City. So in 2019, as part of the 50th anniversary of Stonewall and as host of World Pride for that year, New York City Pride was attended by up to 5 million people. The parade alone was attended by at least 4 million people and lasted more than 12 hours, with 695 groups participating. This year, New York City Pride boasts Billy Porter as the Grand Marshal, is having a performance by Christina Aguilera, a Pride Night at Yankee Stadium, <clears throat> go Red Sox, and more parties and club nights than I could even keep up with. I have got to go to New York City Pride someday. It truly looks like the biggest and best party of the year. When I say that they have something for every single day of the month in June, I truly mean it. If you somehow have the ability to make it out to this party or any of the ones that I'm going to discuss, please do it. Please do it. If you've got internet access or you have access to a television, then you probably know about Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill, which was championed by their governor, Ron DeSantis. Now, I'm not a political commentator, and I'm not here to get into the details regarding the legality of that bill or to say anything other than here on this podcast with this host, we support LGBTQIA2 children, families, teachers, leaders, activists, and anyone else who wants to live their life in an authentic way that does not harm another life form. If that somehow hasn't been clear in our previous 18 episodes, then I guess let me lay it out right here, right now. I am a pansexual woman married to a trans non-binary human, and I am not in the business of actively taking rights away from us and our community, nor am I in the business of hiding my full person to make another person comfortable. If you don't like that, then go listen to any of the other approximate 10 million upper middle class white guys who have podcasts and can tell you how to make a million dollars and get biceps as big as your head. Again, I don't know how we've made it this far together, but I will not be offering to you what those types of hosts will. No misogyny or black market estrogen blockers here, baby. I'm sorry. I just won't be providing that. Of course, all of that is to say that I will not be talking about the bozo who runs Florida 
in a fiscal sense, but I will tell you about the covert pride celebrations happening at his favorite theme park. Yeah, that's right. Secret Disney Pride. Or Disney World Gay Days, if you will. But this is a loosely organized event where people of the LGBTQIA2 community visit Disney World in a week-long event each year, attracting upwards of 180,000 participants. It's not sanctioned by Disney, and the park even tells its cast members to, quote, treat it like any other summer day, end quote. But this event is organized by members of the community around Central Florida and is hosted annually on the first Saturday in June. The first Disney World Gay Day was in 1991 and had more than 3,000 members of the community in attendance, all of which wore red shirts to make them easier to spot in a crowd. By 1995, the event had grown to 10,000 participants. Because the event is not sponsored by Disney, there's actually a local Doubletree resort by Hilton that's dubbed itself the official hotel for the event, and they rent out convention spaces to vendors like adult toy companies and gourmet cooking suppliers, as well as organizations that offer services like free testing and vaccinations. All the way on the other side of the country, though, there's a glimmer of hope for Disney to eventually sponsor the Disney World Gay Days, with Disneyland hosting its own first official Pride Night as part of the Disneyland After Dark event series, 25 years after the first unofficial Gay Days. The night that this episode airs on June 15th, there's actually one of these Pride Nights going on. So if you're going, please have the most fun and go live my dream. Also this year, for the very first time at Disney World's Gay Days, there was an organized meetup for LGBTQIA2 cast members by Disney, which is also a glimmer of hope for Disney to sponsor this event someday for the community, which could you imagine, one, could you imagine how pissed DeSantis would be and how funny that would just be for the rest of us? It'll be hilarious. Uh, Disney sponsoring gays whenever he literally has the don't say gay bill, like, come on, just comedic. But also imagine the outpouring of joy that would happen in the park. You know, a lot of people have a hard time growing up being queer. And sometimes it's not really available to us, the experiences that we'd prefer to have in our childhood. So the opportunity to rewrite some of those moments and do it as your true authentic self is truly invaluable for a lot of people in the LGBTQIA2 community. So I can only imagine the type of healing and joy that would happen if Disney was able to fully sponsor this event uh, in the public. Climbing back into our tour bus and headed back out to the world, let's talk about the largest pride celebration in Asia, and that's Tel Aviv Pride. This celebration takes place annually in Tel Aviv during the second week of June and culminates in a pride parade that attracts more than 250,000 attendees. This truly deadass, guys, it shocked me. And I had no idea there was such a showing of the LGBTQIA community in Tel Aviv. But its perseverance there is due in part to the city's reputation as a party destination. And also because I guess Tel Aviv carries a reputation for being a world-class level gay-friendly destination. Again, I had no idea. The first Pride event that ever took place in Tel Aviv is kind of hard to nail down, but most consider the first Pride event to have taken place in 1979 and the first specifically Pride parade to have taken place in 1993. Deduce from there whatever you'd like. The parade, though, usually runs through the city and then ends at the beach where there's a huge party to celebrate Pride. This after party was actually moved to Charles Clore Park in 2014 due to a growing attendance each year. And the shiny title of Asia's largest pride and these growing crowds has caused some controversy over the years. 
I'm specifically talking about in 2016 when the Ministry of Tourism spent $3 million on a campaign that included a press release that told of a rainbow-adorned airplane that the ministry would use to transport LGBT bloggers and journalists to Israel for Tel Aviv Pride. I.e., they made a big rainbow-washed plane to fly non-Israeli people to Israel to celebrate Tel Aviv Pride. Of course, while Israeli LGBT organizations are only receiving a tenth of that amount for their entire yearly budget. This disproportion in spending caused many leaders of Israeli or Tel Aviv queer organizations to be understandably pissed off. And the leading task force for LGBT rights, the Aguda, even threatened to cancel the Pride Parade. This, of course, made the Ministry of Tourism very quickly apologize and suspend their budget plan. Now let's gather back into the tour bus and set our sights on South America, which is also having its Pride in June, even though it's not summer there. And again, we're going to head for the continent's largest Pride celebration, which takes place this time in... I'll give you a hint and then three seconds to shout it out. It's one of the top five largest cities in the world, the largest city in the Americas. Ah, that's right. Sao Paulo, Brazil. So Sao Paulo boasts a whopping 23 million residents and hosts three to five million people at their Pride Parade in June each year. Three to five million. I think that that's more than everyone we've covered combined so far. Actually, maybe not. I just thought about New York City, and I'm second-guessing that statement. But the first Pride Parade took place here in 1997, and the event is heavily supported by the federal government, the governor of Sao Paulo, and the city's mayor. Of course, this is Brazil, and if you don't know, these folks know how to party. I had the privilege of going to college with a whole bunch of Brazilian people, and they truly go harder than I think anyone in the world. And Pride is no exception to that, hunty. We've got spectacular costumes, carnival-style outfits, we've got flags the size of a city block, and my favorite part of all, in true Brazilian form, the parade is scheduled to start year after year at noon, beginning from the Museum of Art of Sao Paulo, but the convoy will not even start to move until 2 to 3 p.m. And then the parade continues on until after 10 p.m. I mean, it's just hilarious to me that they continue to schedule for noon, knowing it won't start until 2 to 3, but I also acknowledge that if they put on the schedule 2 to 3, we wouldn't start until 4 to 5. No matter the language, no matter the culture, the gays are the same. You gotta love it. So we're winding down here, and as a result, we're also going to be heading out of the summer months of the Northern Hemisphere and into the summer months of the Southern Hemisphere. We're taking the know-it-all tour bus all the way to South Africa to celebrate the Pride of Africa in Johannesburg. Taking place annually in October of each year, Johannesburg Pride, or Pride of Africa, was the first Pride event held on the continent of Africa, and therefore is the longest ongoing Pride event on the continent, thus the name. The first Johannesburg Pride was held near the end of the apartheid era on October 13, 1990 and was organized by activist Simon N. Coley and his organization, the Gay and Lesbian Organization of the Witwatersrand, or GLOW. The first Pride was attended by 800 people, and in a speech, Simon said, quote, I'm fighting for the abolition of apartheid, and I fight for the right of freedom of sexual orientation. These are inextricably linked with each other. I cannot be free as a black man if I am not free as a gay man, end quote. The organizers and attendees found success in 1996 when equality and freedom from discrimination on the grounds of sexual orientation were added to the South African Constitution. 
And as exemplified with Tel Aviv and Johannesburg and in neighboring states here in the U.S., if a country or location doesn't have a pride, the queer people of that location will seek one out near to them. So even though there's a large portion of Africa that doesn't recognize LGBTQIA rights or host their own pride events, there are plenty of queer people in Africa and they will travel to celebrate their existence. Load it into the tour bus one more time because it's time for the last pride celebration of the year, Antarctica Pride. That's right, gay at the South Pole. Well, not quite at the South Pole because that's really cold and really far into Antarctica, but gay in Antarctica. Beginning in 2020 and gathering every year since, researchers and individuals from nearly 50 countries gather to celebrate Polar Pride Day in December. They carry flags, wear rainbow clothes, eat rainbow foods, and watch queer movies together to celebrate that even though they are from different countries and isolated at the very end of the world, they can bond over their shared Antarctic and queer experience. Y'all, I know I've said it over and over again in this episode, but you really got to see these photos. They are truly heartwarming, and that's shocking for something that comes from such a cold place. (laughs) So we've made it to the end of our tour, and we've arrived at the point in our conversation where I'm going to pose the question of, do we still need pride in 2023? And I get it. You know, I completely understand the members of our community who look at pride and they see all of the corporate rainbow washing, all of the corporate sponsored events, the way that capitalism has creeped into every corner of our culture. And they think that pride is nothing more than a show of wokeness for some 19 year old with a septum piercing to buy Coke instead of Pepsi. And I see that. I completely acknowledge it. As a 25-year-old with a nostril piercing, I also buy into the bullshit, and I know it's bullshit. I get it. It's, it's, it's bullshit. But when we come back to that question and we come back to the original issue at hand, is pride still needed in 2023? I'm going to argue until the end of my breaths, yes. Absolutely yes. Because at its best, pride honors those of our community who risked their lives lost their lives, and endured a lifetime of suffering in the hope that one day their community would be treated with dignity and receive the same respect that every human being deserves. At its most basic core, pride is a call to action. It began with members of the community speaking out whenever they thought that they were being abused. And it continues because we cite and remain vigilant against the abuses of our community. It's a time for us to celebrate ourselves, to celebrate queer joy and existence, an opportunity to fully immerse ourselves in a community that wants us, which is, even if for a moment, so rare for so many of us around the world that live the LGBTQIA2 plus experience. And of course, all of that said, tears and all, with the caveat that queer people exist for more than a month. Just like black people, just like Latinx people, just like disabled people, just like women, just like any other marginalized group that you might talk about. We are here year round and whether or not companies, organizations, federal governments, whoever want to acknowledge that, 
we are here for more than the 30 days of June. And unless you can champion the rights of queer people year round, you don't need to celebrate with the rest of us in June. Because pride is not only a call to action and a celebration and all these other things, but it's also part of the battle that's going to win us the war. It's the never-ending, undying, unwavering dedication to the fact that you can call us what you want, you can say what you want, you can legislate us how you want, but we're here, we've been here, and we're not going anywhere. We will always exist in opposition to these systems that were designed to keep white, cis, heteronormative, male, able bodies in power. And it's possible to both celebrate and keep our eye on the prize. It's possible to relish in the fact that we made it and that we're continuing to make it against the odds while also maintaining that this is not a fight we are going to lose anytime soon. I will not be with you for the last little bit of June. I will be doing my own thing and working on my own pride celebrations and just general celebrations of life. But please, 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 if I can recommend to you anything to do this month, this week, whenever, tell someone in your life that is part of the LGBTQIA2 plus community that you love them and that you're proud of them for being themselves and living life even when it's hard to do so. Little gay kids deserve to become big gay kids. Young trans people deserve the opportunity to become old trans people. All we want as a community is to be cherished and championed in the ways that we see so many other communities and causes be lifted up throughout the year. We don't want pink washing or rainbow baiting so that you can make a buck off of us. We want real long-standing support and change so that we can continue to live for both ourselves and those of us that never got the chance to live fully as themselves. Seriously, 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 text a queer person and tell them that you love them. It's in general a good practice to keep when the world is so often going out of its way to tell us that we are invalid and that we don't know ourselves. I told you I would cry. I told you, I told you, I told you. I I just knew it. I just knew it. Between that last clip that you just heard of me and this clip right here, there's been a uh, a nose-blowing party in the pod room because I got a case of the sniffles because I got a case of the sobs, which I'm not at all upset about because I'm very passionate about this topic. Because I'm one of those little gay kids that deserves to be an old gay kid and who genuinely thought for a long time that she wouldn't make it past 20. So... Every year is an achievement. Every moment that I get to sit here and I get to say, I'm here, I'm queer, I've made it, is an achievement. And God damn it, I'm going to have to go and blow my nose again. Ugh. If I don't start to wrap this up, we are just going to be stuck in a perpetual loop of crying and attempts to say goodbye. So, reminder, this is our 19th episode. I will be around for our final episode of this season of the pod next week and then I will be gone to celebrate my first season. I I am so mind blown that I have put out almost 20 episodes of podcasts onto the internet. The fact that there is a full eight hour workday worth of content for y'all to listen to, which mind you means that there is 
hundreds of hours of stuff that has gotten cut or has gone into making that eight hours of content. I It's truly mind-blowing. It's truly unfathomable that I started this in February and we are sitting here in June. I did not think I would keep going this long. I thought that no one would listen and I would just be sitting in that closet, sweating my ass off, talking ad nauseum for the foreseeable future. And now, you know, you guys have allowed me to not only explore other kinds of content creation, like short form content, but also to get my first podcast sponsor in my first season, which is a huge achievement. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So podcast finale next week. What's it going to be? You know, I'm not going to tell you right now. Um, (laughs) Oh, but I think that's going to have to be where I truly, truly cut it off because I am going to start crying again and I haven't even talked about anything that relates to pride or the queer experience. Um, Again, reminder, text someone that's in your life that's queer and remind them that you love them because we can never hear it enough. The world wants us to think that you don't love us. Fuck, dude. Okay, I just, I'm doing it. Tears in the eyes, I'm doing it. Goodbye. I hope that you'll join me next week in the pursuit to know a little bit about everything. Please like, share, comment, send me a picture of your dog. Um, you know, tell me how your pride celebrations are going. If you are a queer member of the know-it-all family, I am so happy to have you. I am so happy to share this moment with you and to share this June with you. Um, keep going. God, guys, I just keep crying. I love you guys so much, but as you know, as always, stay safe out there. Until next time.